What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Team Chat Podcast, a video game show where we talk about games, the ones we love, the ones we hate, and everything in between. I am one of your hosts, Jarrett Wilson, joined across the power of the internet, but I gotta say, not for too much longer, because we're about to be vaxxed to the max, both of us, and we'll be back in the studio recording together, which I, I gotta tell you, Mogan, my co-host, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing very well. Thank you for asking. Uh, yeah, as soon as I, I'm the one dragging us down because I was later to get my my first vaccine. But as soon as I get that second vaccine, baby, we're we're back we're in the gonna studio. be <laughs> back. And I gotta say, I am excited for that because it's been it's been okay. I'm, I mean, it's still been obviously enjoyable and had a ton of fun doing the show. But, but it's not the same. It lacks that spark. Yeah, it's just that not the, the same. In person <laughs> conversation brings out of us, and I miss friendship. <laughs> I know, right? Like, yeah, it was right. great to hang out with you every week and do the uh, episode and all that stuff. I barely get to see Fender and Birdie anymore. It's not yep. the same. It's not the same, but that's why hopefully soon it will be back to normal. And so, uh, but while we wait for that, though, everybody, there's a lot of different ways that you can get to listen to the show or watch the show while you wait for our hallowed return back to the studio space. Just a little over here to my left. There it is. Right now, it's covered in all my Star Wars action figures. Because I was about uh, to say you're going to probably it's action figure re uh, cleaning and reconfiguring day up uh. on the old uh, entertainment center, and so fortunately my head blocks all the ones who are missing so hey, that oh, works God. out <laughs> but you can w- listen to and watch team chat podcast on uh tuesdays at 9 a.m central time is when new episodes come out and you can listen to those on a variety of podcast services around the world wide web as well as watch a video version of each episode over on our youtube channel find us on social media at facebook twitter and instagram at that good old at team chat podcast and that's where you can find us you can also join a discord server where we have a lot of great conversation about gaming, non-gaming related topics, lots, whatever we feel like chatting about when we're not here recording the show. So that's a lot of fun to get to hang out there with us. And links for all those things are in the description below. But if you would like to help make the show bigger and better, you can head over to patreon.com slash team chat podcast, just like Zach S, Susan M, James K, Ben W, Michael B, Mariah K, Fuchsia Rascal, Andrew M, Michael S, and Brandon W have done to support the show over on patreon.com, where as for as little as a dollar a month, you can support the show. And in return, we'll give you cool perks like getting the episodes early before its general Tuesday release and access to a private channel on our Discord server, The Rogues gallery you also get a lot uh some extra little special bits of media from us such as a subsidiary show team chit chat where mogan and i talk about things that are not related to gaming at all well they can be related to gaming but they're not gaming topics that we talk about for example like we talked about castlevania the show on uh netflix very gaming related but not gaming so for so it works for that show exactly so, uh, but if you can't do that, that's no big deal at all. We totally understand. And there are other great ways that you can help support the show and get the good word of Team Chat Podcast out to the masses. And you can do that by writing us a review, uh, subscribing wherever you're watching or listening to the show, telling your friends, following us on social media. All that good stuff helps get Team Chat Podcast out there. And we are forever grateful and love all of our patrons and viewers, listeners alike. Heart emojis the first heart emoji in a while first heart emoji in a while mogan it has been a minute and thank you everybody for uh you know bearing with us as we took a little needed time off uh just to kind of mentally recharge a little bit had a rough couple months over or here on my end and so just need to take a little break but i'm back and i gotta tell you we're already into this episode like five minutes 
and I'm feeling so good. It's good to be back here behind the mics. It's good to be here talking about some video games with you all. And so what we're going to do, though, since it has been a minute since we've been up here, we didn't really have a huge defined topic, really, for what we were going to do. We're throwing it back, Mogan. We're doing a good old shoot the shit episode. We're just going to chat it up and talk about all the stuff that we've been playing and all the stuff that we missed. Yep. And just all kinds of stuff. It's going to be so Stuff fun. that we're looking forward to. It is going to be fun. Looking forward to doing it. But before we get into our main topic of the day, let's get a little bit of news and what's coming out soon in our moment with Mogan. Okay. So I told Jared right before we started recording, I was like, oh, good thing not a lot of big games came out while we were away. Uh, that was actually wrong. <laughs> that was a lie. <laughs> I, I looked back through the list and I was like, oh, no, there were some big things that came out. So real quick, as an in case you missed it, you don't need to worry about the dates, but Near Replicant version Near Replicant version 1.22474487139 is out now. That title's I, obnoxious. I know it's really it's so it's like wow. Anyways, Near Replicant, that's really all you need to know, is the uh, remastered version of the Near Replicant and Gestalt games, which came out many, many years ago. Uh, Near Replicant predates Automata by quite a bit, but they've brought it into the modern times and they have re-released the version Replicant that was originally for Japan only in the West. Uh, back in the olden times, the West got Near Gestalt and uh, the East got Near Replicant. So we all finally have Near Replicant. There really weren't many differences between the two other than who the main character was, so it's kind of beside the point. The point is, it's an awesome Nier game, so if you loved Nier Automata, you are probably going to love Nier Replicant. Uh, so that came out. Some other stuff. Oh yeah, new Pokemon Snap! Oh I, yeah! I haven't actually gotten to pick this one up yet, but I really need to, because I was so excited about this game. It's only been... its I'm only behind by 10 days as of this recording. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, new Pokemon Snap is out now exclusively for the Switch. Oh, Near Replicant, excuse me. Near Replicant is out for PS4, Xbox One, and PC. Not for next-gen consoles. Uh, new Pokemon Snap is out for the Switch. So is Returnal. Uh, mm. Returnal actually has gotten some pretty interesting reviews out. Um, I know that it's got a couple of technical issues that Jared and I might talk about at some point. But for now, Returnal is out exclusively for PS5. So go pick that up when you can. So is Resident Evil Village yet another game that I also really want to play, but just like I, I was too. telling, I was telling a friend the other day, they were like, "Oh, are you guys gonna get and play it for the show?" And I was like, "It's not the season, you know. It's not. It's not fall. <laughs> no, it needs to be spooky Halloween times. It, it needs to be spooky Halloween times. So I might buy it now, but I'm not gonna play it until it's spooky Halloween times. But that, just wait, it'll go on sale." Yeah, yeah, it just, anyways, so I do really want to play it, but I'm probably not going to pick it up for a little while because I have to play it during the season. That's uh, but, true. Yeah, but um, that game is out for PS5, Xbox Series X and S, PS4, Xbox One, and PC. So basically everything except for the Switch. And then, as of this episode's air date, so getting us caught up into the now, Destiny 2, Season of the Splicer, is coming to PS5, Xbox Series X and S, PS4, Xbox One, and PC. And then closing us out a little bit later in the week, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, Wrath of the Druids DLC. Uh, damn yeah. it, I'm still not finished with the main story. Son of a bitch, I'm You're, behind. You gotta pick up the pace, buddy. <laughs> Anyways, that's the main story is so long, Mogan. I am 75 yeah. hours in, and Dude. I still think I have like another 10 to 15 hours of story. That's pretty impressive. That's actually more time than I've put into... It's not more time combined that I've put into Bravely Default 2 and Monster Hunter Rise, 
but it's pretty close. It's close. I, I think between the two games, I probably have about 40 hours each. So you're getting you're getting there. <laughs> I'm getting there. <laughs> uh, so anyways, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, Wrath of the Druids for PS5, Xbox Series X, NES, PS4, Xbox One, Stadia and PC. Ah, <laughs> We've go. also got Monster Harvest. Not sure if that's a if that's a ripoff of Monster Hunter. It's probably not. <laughs> Monster Harvest comes out for PC on May 13th before we leave. Also comes out for PC on May 14th. On the 14th, we also have Famicom Detective Club, the girl who stands behind for the Switch. I looked up this game because I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> 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 it just i don't know what this game is but it looks real interesting um famicom detective club the missing air also comes out for switch on the same day so we've got famicom detective club the girl who stands behind and the missing air both of which seem like interesting little mystery adventure games uh and then a biggie comes out this weekend mass effect legendary edition oh man this one god where are we gonna find the time jared i we, don't know we both want to play this game so bad but it's like there's so much out right now, and I'm still not done with the games that I've been working on. Well, and technically, we have to play it. Because we do. It's uh, it was part of our rewards for doing for raising a certain amount in a, in a extra life last year. Oh, so we man. have to play it. Dear God, it's just okay. a matter of when. <laughs> we're, we're we promise we are going to play it because we both are really we want to. We want. Yeah, to we play both missed game. out on it originally, so uh, we're it ready is to get out into it. For PS5, Xbox Series X, and S, PS4, Xbox One, and PC. I will say that because this is an older game, even mm-hmm. if it's the remaster, I, I, I this is one that I definitely wouldn't wait around to pick up on next gen consoles. It's like, bro, it's hella old. It's not going to look that much better on next yeah. gen. It's going to look fine on current. I mean, the, the screenshots and everything that they've put out of it of how it looks do look really good, and you can tell a big difference. But yeah, right. I don't think the. I mean, unless they're re- remastering it to be 4K at 60 yeah. FPS, you know. Also, which they might I, be, and I just missed that. Which was p- cool. part of my part of my reasoning behind that is, um, I kind of I. Didn't really say this, but I meant to. I was like, they can read my mind. I feel like with older games, <laughs> don't put them in 4K. Their their poor older graphics can't handle it. You don't yeah. need to be doing that. Some things look better with a smooth sheen of non 4Kness over them. Just a nice little blur. To Just everything. a nice little blur effect. <laughs> they the blurring makeup industry that blurs your pores mm-hmm. is booming. They need that same effect for video games. Mass Effect, if you will. That's true. Anyways, That's true. For the best effect. I got it. I picked up on it late, but there it is. The mass, the Anyways, uh, and then to close out the very end of the weekend, we have Subnautica is being ported to the Switch on May 14th as well, as well as Subnautica Below Zero. So I'm not, I know I saw this on Sony's like most recent oh, yeah, state, of play. state of play. I don't think this isn't an expansion. I don't think. I think it's a real game on its I think own. It's, right? I think it's part. Yeah, like a sequel. Yeah. So Subnautica Below Zero. It's like Subnautica, but cold. Um, that ta- that comes out on PS5, Xbox Series X, NES, PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. Also on May 14th, and that gets us through all of this week. Very cool. Very cool. A lot came out. <laughs> a lot did come out. I mean, that's what happens, though, when you take a month Good hiatus heavens. off of doing a show. So, yeah. you know, stuff comes out and you got to get all caught up. But you brought up a good point in the uh, moment with Bogan about talking about Returnal, because it's one that we both talked about before. You specifically have said you're very excited about getting to play it. But now it's out. You've seen those reactions to it. How are you feeling about it now? Because I know, you know, like, is it still one that you're like really wanting to get? Because for me, 
it looked cool and I thought it was it had an interesting premise. But now that I've heard more about it since it did come out, I'm kind of scared scared away from it. So I want to see if you're feeling the same. No, I'm definitely all, all, all hands on deck. I absolutely want to play Returnal. If I were able to get my hands on a PS5, I'd have it right now. Because I do feel like it's one of the games that I'm like, oh, that... I, not not gonna lie. Part of the draw is that it's just it just looks so shiny and pretty. It does look really It great. just looks so good, and it's got that nice that sweet blend of sci-fi horror that I love so dearly. So yeah, and uh, the type of game that it is kind of a uh, a roguelike where you do runs and you're expected to die all the time. Of accustomed to those games, so that also doesn't really scare me that much. Um, some people have said they liked it more than Hades, which. Mm. doesn't have as many waifus and husbandos so let's not get carried away <laughs> but also but also that's just to give you an idea of the type of gameplay that you're expecting is it right. is like hades in that it is a roguelike where you do multiple runs through the same areas over and over again getting different builds and different items along the way and basically making yourself as survivable as possible to eventually succeed and finish the game right so the thing about it for me that kind of scared me about it is while it does look great, I'm really excited because it does it looks I mean visually amazing. I've heard the the advances they make and how the the dual sense controller like, you know, how it reacts with the haptics and the feedback that the controller itself gives, not to mention also if you have the the pulse audio headset that they have for the the PS5, that apparently the audio design for it is just insane as well. The part that scares me away from it is that the runs take 90 plus minutes. And I've seen several people on Twitter talk about how their runs have taken three to four hours. I straight up just don't have three to four hour blocks of time that yeah. I can that I can sit and play a game. I that happens to me where I can play for that long in a blue moon in one setting. And so the problem then becomes since there's not a save, which I understand is because it's the nature of that type of game, you know. It's all about, you know, seeing how far you can get in that one run, getting what you can gain, and then going back. If you add a save function into that, it kind of takes it away and makes it no different than normal platformer, you know, third-person shooter. And so it's it's kind of the thing where I'm like, it looks great, but I just don't see myself being able to have the time to do it. And plus, since not even putting it into, like, putting PS5 into rest mode right now is not a guaranteed way to be able to pause the game. There's just like, I'm just like, that's, that's that barrier to entry is high. So this is something that I feel like shouldn't be a problem. I feel like this is a either design flaw or a glitch. Am I crazy? Or when they were hyping up the PS5, weren't they like, oh yeah, you can just pause games and go play other games? Well, uh, yes. The, uh, I, well, I know that Xbox does have that with its, um, I can't remember the name of the feature right now, but basically where it, it does like you can seamlessly like be switching and stuff. And the PS five does have a switcher uh, app where it's like you go to the, the you hit the home button. There's a little switcher thing. You can then go up and just like switch between the games you've been playing very quickly and easily true. But the problem is, is that while the PS five is supposed and putting it in its rest mode is supposed to save things in just a like paused state, which it does like for stuff with Assassin's Creed Valhalla and all that stuff. I've done that bajillion times, put it in rest mode, come back a week later, turn it on, and I'm right back at the same place where I was. The problem is, is and I think you're right, it's a glitch at this point, 
The PS5 is either will sometimes push updates, be it system updates or game updates, while, while in it's mode. in rest mode. And that's closing out Returnal, mm-hmm. therefore losing people's progress in those runs, and then they're having to start over again. So that's where, for me, I'm just like, oh, that's a... Well, that's th- that's like dedicating like I could only play it on the maybe two like one weekend a month where I'm like I have three hours that I can play a game. And if even that's not enough to like guarantee me to get through a run that for is just I was just like, damn, I, I don't know if I could do that. Well, a couple of things about that. One, I think the people taking extra long runs maybe isn't the norm exactly. Mm-hmm. I do feel like that's kind of part of the roguelike is that you learn. You you learn how to do things in a more efficient way. You learn what's necessary and what isn't. And that's part of the exploration factor. So you might have a really short run because you died. <laughs> or you might have a really long run and then you die. But you learned a lot in the process. So part of that I feel like is just the nature of the beast. So I totally understand not wanting to get into the game for that reason. Mm-hmm. Because if you think... I'm just not going to have the ability to get that far. Perfectly understandable. However, well, where was I going with this? You I will said say that something- too. My, my, sorry, my, my, uh, uh, my abilities or, or skill level at roguelites is also very wanting as well. So that might be another issue that I'm already well, like, I kind oh, of I'm thought scared. That this one might be the one for you because it's in third person. It's like That's a true. third person shooter style game, which is a little bit more up your alley than some of the, some of the Hades and, and, and the, and the dead cells of the world. But that's neither here nor there. The point is, I feel like they should be able to, is there not a way to um, turn off auto updates on the PS5? Maybe hmm. I haven't looked, but because I even, like it, I like that I can like put in rest mode and stuff yeah. and I'm going to come back and not have to wait on a download. Me too. So even if that is a feature, even if it is a feature that the PS5, you can turn off updates and potentially sidestep the issue of the system updating itself while you're away and your game is in rest mode and you lose all of your data. Even if that is the case, I agree that that's not good design. Um, you should be able to have a way to more efficiently pause and or save at certain points in the game to be able to mm-hmm. then come back to it later and pick up where you left off without losing all of your progress. I totally agree with that. I think that if that's not something, because you you can do that in other games. Yeah. <laughs> it's not revolutionary. <laughs> that's not cr- crazy. Word. That's not like a pie in the sky wish list of bring Waluigi to smash. It's not like that. This is real stuff that other people do. You can do this. <laughs> so yeah, I'm still extremely interested in Returnal. If I had the console to play it, I totally would wish they were porting this one to PS4, but I don't think they're going to, as far as I know, which I get yeah, it. I it's, a, th- it's, I... A next, it's a next-gen game. It's got all the haptics and the whatnot. So I totally understand, but I'm like, I want to play it so bad. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe when we get back to recording in person, you can just buy the game and just, you know, take your when you come over here to record – just take your just go run, hit a couple runs. Yeah, you can do you can do the episodes on your own, and I'll just be sitting there. You'll just there. be back there. Just <laughs> you hear, won't you'll even, just it, it won't even be like a stream because the audience won't be able to see the game. It'll just be me looking awkwardly <laughs> off camera playing a game that you can't see me playing. I think that's the next level of streams. I'm just going son of a bitch all, yeah. all the time when you just, die. God damn it! <laughs> so if that's one that we're really looking forward to coming out soon. Another one, which we mentioned that also in the moment with Bogan during the state of play, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart is looking 
amazing. It sure is. Uh, and it's coming out June 11th, just FYI, so everybody. Close. Only for PS5. June 11th, PS5. I think I'm going to actually buy that one physical. I haven't Ooh. bought a physical game yet for PS5 wow. or haven't even even for like uh, PS4 really in a long time. But the box art for it is so cool. I'm like that. That one, I think, needs to be. Also, it's an older game franchise. You got to go back to its roots. You got to right? buy that physical copy. <laughs> yeah. No. So I'm probably going to do that. But man, after they showed off that 15 minutes of gameplay, which I normally don't even watch big long gameplay reveals like that because especially because like you know it's that's 15 minutes of the game granted in the grand scheme of things not a whole lot but i'm also like i I like an air of mystery to when i go into something i kind of want to walk in and be surprised with what i see but i mean in this case i was kind of like it's not like a last of us part two i can afford myself to watch 15 minutes of what i'm gonna see and i was i was it was well worth it because holy shit it's like it just i can't believe how seamless everything goes together like moving through the rifts to just basically new stages loading in milliseconds the just overall look of it in like the amount of debris that goes on destructible environments the and just everything going on well like when when it was uh when they were going through um the city uh that on that Emperor Nefarious, the, well, his say, like city, whatever yeah, that city whatever is. Whatever it's called. When Ratchet like walked through it, or or it might have been Rivet at that point too in this in the gameplay thing, walks up to it, and you just see this like bustling city. And it's not like a matte painting in the background. Like there's stuff going on in every corner and in every distance from you. It's it was just so alive. And I was like, holy crap. I'm, and there was no stuttering, no frame rate drop. None I know of that it. This is uh that this is kind of like it's it's just the the dig that won't stop. Uh, but or I guess it's maybe like what's it called? Beating a dead horse. Yeah. But I was also watching the the state of play and uh in I don't really look at the chat the chat and the comments that much, but in YouTube I could see this much, just a little sliver of the chat on the live stream, and everybody was like Cyberpunk 2020 20- 2077 <laughs> and they were like wow it's cyberpunk 2 it's already out and that's I was hilarious like, yeah i get it i mean yeah it kind of looked like it for sure it gave that <laughs> cyberpunk vibe for sure but it just looks like it's gonna be a blast the only other ratchet and clank game i will say that i've played is the 2016 revert remake of one. the original you yeah you don't have to have yeah. played all of them to get the gist they're awesome you just need yeah to, you just need to know that it's a good game and you can jump in there and rift all around i don't know what exactly to call it but something from the trailer that i kind of didn't really grasp about the concept is that when ratchet goes through a rift and drops out somewhere else enemies will follow him like they will also go with you because it shows oh, that's in, cool. in, in like the demo trailer him fighting that big slug or whatever it was mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and like he goes through a rift and then that thing comes through too and they're both in the new stage and it's like oh that's something i didn't really realize was going to be a thing yeah it's pretty sweet it's like it's it just looks so good so yeah, good it looks so good how'd you feel though that we already knew the they already gave us the name of the of the Lombax. I knew knew it would happen eventually. So I'm not too worried about it. Um, I can't believe they didn't name her Richette. (laughs) So lame. (laughs) I don't know. I think Rivet's pretty cool. (laughs) Rivet's a cool name, but I was just like, boo. (laughs) I wanted them to take the most obvious route. (laughs) Yeah. And so that was really cool. Jennifer Hale's doing her voice, which I think she does a great job as well. So that'll be really awesome to see. It just, it just looks like it's going to be a grand old time. Oh, and one of the new, Miss Zircon. 
is yeah, there. Not Mr. Zircon, Zircon this time. Was, it's Miss Zircon. And she like owns a weapon shop. You have the one weapon that turns them in like turns people into shrubs. Isn't that it? It's like the green, it's like a water sprinkler. And when oh, it hits okay. them, it like it turns them into like a bush or something. Because like <laughs> in the other terrible. one, it was the pixel, the pixel gun or whatever that turns yeah. that makes them all like, pixelated oh, and they the explode. Gun. Or the sheep gun. I guess oh, I think that yeah. was one too. So yeah, man, oh. it's going to be a blast. I'm excited for that it's one. It's going to be so fun. So we've talked about some stuff that we're excited about with, I mean, in, oh, I forgot even a big one. Biomutant finally coming out at the end of May. It sure is. At long last. And I that's the other reason why I can't decide so if I want to do, <laughs> if I want to do, uh, I, I wanted to say... I want to say Justice League for some reason. No, but it's Mass Effect. Uh, why I wanted to do Mass Effect, uh, why I can't decide when I want to play it, because it's like, you're in it. Yes, Mass Effect, we have this brand new spanking, clean looking remaster of this or remake, remaster of, of the legendary Mass Effect games that I've been wanting to play for a long time. But here's Biomutant, which is brand new and I've been waiting for years to get to play. It has been in my list of most anticipated games for, I want to say, the last like five years. So... Pretty much as long as we've been doing the show, I guess. <laughs> so like yeah, I want to play it. And so it's finally going to be here. And so I kind of, I can't decide. I can't decide which one I want to jump into first. I, mean, I guess we could just save Biomutant for five years from now. And then that'll be. <laughs> Wait for its remaster. By then it'll probably have its own trilogy and we'll be like, yep. Okay. It's about yep. time. Guess we'll play this now. But Anyway, lots to look forward to in the world of video games. But, Mogan, what have you been playing lately? So, as people may or may not know by now, um, I have been doing freelance writing for um, a website for their, like, mobile gaming segment. So, so I moving on up in the video game world, you are becoming an established video game I guess so. It doesn't feel like it. reviewer. <laughs> it's just like, oh, God, this is so hard. <laughs> <laughs> deadlines! Deadlines everywhere! Oh. Uh, but for that reason, I have been playing a ton of uh, Android games lately, like mobile games, and they are a mix of games that have been ported to mobile and ones that were actually designed for mobile. And you all know me, I'm a discerning gamer to a certain extent. <laughs> uh, so I, I don't like, you know, Clash of Clans, that ain't my jam. And no. luckily the types of games that I usually write about per week, it's like, oh no, it's gotta be like game of the week quality. It has to be something really good. So I'm like, oh, thank God. So two things to keep in mind. One, I'm going to fire off a couple of games here and just sort of uh, explain the brief gist and why I think they're great. Um, and B, I actually, because of my situation, I actually do have Google Play Pass, which is Android's answer oh, to, oh, I think, the Apple Arcade. Yes. But basically, it means that uh, games come to Play Pass on Android, and sometimes they are deeply, deeply discounted. Many times they are just free. So, for example, Play Pass Dead Cells, which actually the mobile port is really, really good. Dead oh, Cells. Oh, wow, I didn't free. know they had that. Yeah, on they, they they've got it on mobile. It's on Android, and if you've got Play Pass, it's free. That's a twenty dollar game that you can get for free. Uh, I think maybe. Don't quote me on this. Slay the Spire may or may not be on Play Pass. I can't remember if I saw it or not. But the point is, there are tons of games that are being ported to mobile nowadays that are really good, and the ports are actually really good as well. I'm going to talk about one that kind of falls into that category, and another that absolutely does not. The one that I want to talk about that absolutely does not fall into that category. And 
best game. It's so good. I actually spend a pretty good amount of time playing this game because it is so fun. Cetus 2. That's C-Y-T-U-S 2. There okay. is, in fact, a Cetus 1, both of which are available for mobile. So Cetus 1, I don't know what happens in it. I presume it predates Cetus 2 in some way, shape, or form with the story, so it's probably kind of important, <laughs> but I jumped right in with Cetus 2, because I was like, you know what? I feel like a rhythm game, because this is a rhythm game, would translate on mobile really, really well, because it's it's touchscreen. So yeah, why wouldn't that mm -hmm. work out great? Same things like DDR, when you've got the pad that you jump around on, it's way yep, better. Yep. It's more tactile. So Cetus 2 is... Probably the best mobile game I've played in terms of sheer enjoyment and how well it maximizes the touchscreen controls. Because a lot of games, you know, touchscreen controls are really hit or miss. Sometimes they're just good and you're like, okay, this is passable. I can at least play this game with touchscreen controls and have no problem. Cetus 2 actually makes it feel natural. And this is a natural mobile game, so of course they have to. But the, the gist is Cetus 2 is a mobile rhythm game. So you are playing through various DJ's storylines. Three to four of the main ones are going to be Path, P-A-F-F, -F, Neko, and she's got like an emoji as part of her name. It's not important. It's important to the story, but not really. <laughs> and there's Robohead, who is a literal robot, and he's got like a whole PC for his head, and he's smiling, and he's my favorite. Robohead's the best. And then Ivy. Those are kind of the people at the core conflict of Cetus 2 because to a great surprise I was like oh a mobile game probably not going to be a lot happening in the story department wrong I was wrong, wrong. so there's, much there's a lot happening in this game so the gist is that Cetus 2 takes place in and I'm not going to get too far into spoiler territory here this is just like the premise mm -hmm. Cetus 2 takes place in a mysterious future and you're not really sure on a lot of the details because the game makes it intentionally fuzzy at first as it unfolds the mystery as you progress. Because with gameplay, you basically play through each DJ's playlist, like their songs that they're famous for. And as you play through them, they gain experience and you unlock more files, basically, more and more information, more files that unfold the story before you. So it's not mm -hmm. like cutscenes. It's not um, videos exactly. It's just these little snippets of the story that slowly build out and you're like, oh, something is going on here and it's pretty interesting. So you've got Path, Neko, Robohead, and Ivy. But six months prior to the game's start, there was this epic DJ music festival and it was a virtual and in-person event because this is the future or whatever. So it's basically Coachella, I guess. Uh, no, it would be, uh, what's it called? Electric Daisy something something? I don't know. There's one for EDM. That's all you need to know. It's that, that one, but in the future. Got so it. it's that one, but in the future. Uh, and Electric Daisy Carnival? EDC? I don't know. Anyways, I should know because EDM is one of my favorite categories of music, but whatever. Uh, so this music festival takes place and Path is playing. So is Robohead. So it's like Robohead starts and then Path goes on. And then at the end of the night, there was supposed to be this big, uh, this basically the showcase was supposed to be this DJ called Acer. And it was going to be Acer Fest, and everybody was super excited about it. So Robohead goes on, Path goes on, and then at the end of Path's little little deal, supposedly 
and there are conflicting accounts, so people can't quite figure it out, she may or may not have passed out on stage. Mm. And then Acer never showed. Acer Uh-oh. never showed up to the event. And then also, like the whole audience had memory loss about what happened. And so there's this big question mark over did Acerfest even happen? Oh. Were we there? I don't I don't think that I don't think it happened. I don't think that that didn't happen. That that's it's an urban legend, didn't happen. And so as part of the story progresses, you're like, did it happen? Are they crazy? Did Acerfest <laughs> real why would everybody have lost their memory? Why would somebody have passed out on stage? So yeah, it's just this interesting mystery all around music, and there's a bunch of extra sci-fi stuff going on at the sides that I can't really tell you about without giving a bunch away, but they see us to exist in a bananas future, and it's really fun, and I'm having a great time with it. And one of the big things that I think makes it so interesting is that uh, w- w- whenever you're playing through somebody's playlist, like Neko, for example, when you play one of her songs and get a passing grade, because this is a rhythm game, you get grades for everything, you can get... I think down to a C, it goes million master, which means you did it exactly perfectly. You perfected Mm -hmm. every single input. Good job, champ. No broken combos. Then there's S tier. Then there's A, B, and C. I think below C is considered a fail, so it doesn't count. Um, I've gotten a handful of fails so far. Not that many C's, mostly A's and S's. And anytime I go back and look at <laughs> my playlist, I'm like, I got a B on that one. What was I? Was I drunk? What was I doing? So uh, it's it's an amazing game. You get graded on all of your mobile, um, not all of your mobile, all of your playlists. And whenever you complete a playlist, basically the game has a built-in forum like a chat forum where just these random people will come on and comment about things. Uh, the, the different DJs will make it, it kind of feels like Twitter. It feels like Twitter, but it's mm-hmm. within the game itself. And obviously it's all pre-done, uh, which for starters, the writers had to write 80 bazillion tweets basically to this insane game and i feel really bad for them but they did a great job so essentially (laughs) it'll be like oh okay so path's coming out and she's got an official tweet about an upcoming concert cool and then you scroll through and basically read everybody's replies that's actually kind of important i was like what the fuck is this when i first started playing the game there's a lot of story packed into those weird little pseudo tweets Mm -hmm. so that's actually where most of the story lives is this fake messenger forum chat type thing where everybody will just comment and talk about like Acerfest. What's going on with Neko? Is Path okay? Pray for Path. Hashtag pray for Path. You'll get it when you play the game. (laughs) (laughs) So anyways, Cetus 2 is incredible. As far as how it actually plays, it's just your two thumbs. It's you and your two thumbs. Godspeed, champ. So each track has up to four difficulty levels. There's easy, hard. What's the third one? Expert? No, it's something stupid. Dance Master? No. The top one is glitch. What's the third one? It doesn't matter. We'll say expert. That's fine. (laughs) So there's hard, expert, and glitch. And I just for fun just for fun i one time clicked on a glitch one i was like we'll see how this goes i can't imagine a world where a human being is capable of 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 
getting anything on glitch mode. I was like, it's I that don't hard. Think, I don't think this is possible. It clearly is. People do it all the time, but I'm like, no. I live squ- not for me and my thumbs. <laughs> not for me and my thumbs. I live squarely and easy, and now hard mode. I'm getting better at hard mode, so I guess with practice, I might be able to get there someday. But probably not. <laughs> <laughs> Within each of the levels of difficulty as well are a numbering system. So easy one is easier than easy two, than easy mm-hmm. three, etc. The same thing goes for hard, hard mode. So hard five, not that hard. Hard eight, pretty hard. And so on and so forth. Now, the inputs themselves are a mix of just dots. Basically, the game um, has a metronome that kind of bounces up and down the screen just like this in time to the song. So there's a little white line that indicates the metronome, so the beat for each of the games. And as the metronome goes up and down, little a mix of lines and dots, basically, will appear on the screen that you have to press in time with the metronome. So if something appears on the screen down here, you have to hit it when the metronome overlaps with that particular note. So basically, just in time to the songs, you're doing a series of hits and like kind of weird like drawing things. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, on a piano where you just run your hand down the keys to go... Kind of like that. <laughs> they, they look visually like that sounds. It's so hard to describe rhythm games because like, how do I tell people what this is like? Right. You hit on the cues yeah, and you, you hit, do you random side things for runs. It, exactly. Yeah. It's just a mix of these like run on notes, uh, singular notes, held notes. So you have to hold specific inputs for a certain amount of time in order for them to actually go off, mm-hmm. etc. The complicated part is making sure that you actually hit them all. And it's very hard to describe why it's fun, but it's so fun. I mean, well, if you things like ever, that are very rewarding. Yeah, if you've ever played any, this is actually one of the first real rhythm games I've ever played. I never mm-hmm. played GarageBand ever. Uh, I really, I think I played DDR maybe once or twice in my entire life. Not frequently, because I don't think, I think we, did we own DDR? I don't recall, but I didn't play it much. So this is one of the first rhythm games I've ever really played. It is top tier. 10 out of 10 would recommend. And there is a free version. So you can actually pick up Cetus 2 for free. I got it on Play Pass, which just means that I got the base game and all of the DLC. Because mm-hmm. there's a ton of DLC. There are downloadable additional playlists, extra tracks, there are skins for characters. There's all kinds of stuff that you can get out of the game. With Play Pass, it's all free and already unlocked. If it's not, you can actually wind up spending an exorbitant amount of money on Cetus 2, which I would not recommend. Uh, I think that what's free in the game is already good enough that you really don't need to purchase all of the additional bonus tracks. You might want a couple of additional characters because some Mm -hmm. of the um, just for fun DJs are still really fun to play. Because something else that's really interesting about Cetus 2 is that each DJ has their own signature sound. And I at first I didn't really pick up on it as I was just clicking around, not really understanding what I was doing. But after I really started playing the game, I was like, oh, I get it now. Path has her own sound. Neko falls squarely into like chiptune glitch style EDM. Robohead is specifically, oh, what's it called? Oh, it's going to kill me not to know the where like there's a lot of subwoofers 
I, 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 I don't know. I'm not as versed in these. I can't believe I'm blanking. Dubstep. He specifically oh. dubstep Jesus. Duh. Like the most, of- the most basic of the most basic. He's a robot, so he can't help it. So, so each of them kind of has their own signature sound. And some of the additional DJs that you can get just for fun have like piano. And some of them are really like, uh, like Chinese music inspired. It's like, oh, this is awesome. So yeah. sometimes even when you're not playing the main story characters, just playing the bonus characters for fun is great. Cetus 2 is one of the best games I've played, honestly, in a while, period. Uh, and I would recommend it to absolutely anyone. So give it a shot. It's awesome. Nice. Goodness gracious. It's, doing a, uh, like a rhythm game like this, always, like you talking about it, it's not near as deep as Cetus 2 is. But you talking about it reminded me of a rhythm game that was on the original iPod Classic, the one that had the like the click wheel. You remember? Oh God, yeah. You know? And it was like the color, the color screen. It was for the color screen version of that of the iPod Classic. But it was called. I had to look up what it was called because I could not remember. But it was called Phase. And you would basically, and it was the same thing as like guitar. Same premise. Like there's the line coming towards the three lines coming toward the screen. It would have to hit the three buttons and like obviously click and stuff. But it was the left, right, and center button of the wheel. But whenever it would have like the drags or the runs, you would have to like use your thumb and, and like run it on the top of the click That's wheel to make it fun. to make it go. And it was really hard because you could click up and have like three difficulty levels on that one. But why I loved Phase is that it had its own music tracks, but you could play songs from your library, your personal music library in Phase. That's very cool. It was awesome. Wow. And I, I honestly I hate the fact. Logic had to go into that game for that. I don't That's know. Really interesting. And maybe it was like kind of like a template thing that they were just like, ah, okay, this song's going this fast. We'll just put in like an appropriate, it like yeah, has an algorithm so. for picking up on that kind of thing. But I loved that game. And honestly, now I'm like thinking back and kicking myself like when I sold my iPod Classic because I was like, damn. I had to get the touch. I had to get the iPod touch. And now I couldn't because of that. I don't have phase anymore, but I love that game. And so you talking about that reminded me of phase. I will also say that CS2, it's difficult, but you can do it. You can play it at the gym. So I don't do it on the treadmill because I would die. I don't have that kind of hand. (laughs) Yeah, I can't do two things on the treadmill at once. It's a really good match for the elliptical the stationary bikes and uh, the arc trainer. Have you ever seen arc trainers? I think so. They kind of mimic high knees. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So it it works great on all anything that has wells for your feet Mm -hmm. that like kind of keep you in place. (laughs) Yeah. Those are all perfect for this game. And it is a little awkward because I sit there at the gym basically in this exact, (laughs) in this exact, because it has to be at eye level for me to be able to get the things. But because of, the beats per minute in most of these songs, I'm working 10 times as hard without realizing it because I'm so invested in the game. I'm like, I have to get the million master. And then you're like, oh, my arms kind of hurt. Who needs Ring Fit Adventure when you have Cetus 2? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, everything is fun with Cetus 2. So 10 out of 10 would recommend. Please go pick it up. It's such a good game. I love it. Uh, yeah, awesome. and I wound up talking about it way more than I thought I would, so maybe we won't talk about the second game. Maybe we'll save it for later. <laughs> Give us a little tease, though. What's it called, at least? So I can I can sum it up pretty quickly, I think. Ticket to Earth. 
And if you hear me say Ticket to Ride. I was about to say. It's just a mistake. I love the board game Ticket to Ride. It'd be really fun to play on the show someday if we could make it work. But that's not the case. It is Ticket to Earth. Ticket to Earth is a super interesting mix of a turn-based strategy RPG combined with tile matching. Mm -hmm. So imagine a grid, just like a little square grid. Got it. It's in my head. Each of the tiles on the grid can be one of four colors. They can be red, yellow, purple, or blue. Got it. Those tiles correspond to abilities that your character has. So purple is the mind ability. Red is heart. uh, Yellow is hand, which is melee. It's just fight mode. And then blue is something else. I forget what blue is. But the gist is that in each grid, on each board, you have your playable character and then various enemies that'll pop up around the board. You have to draw lines along the board between you and your enemies for two different reasons. One, it gets you more strategic placing around the board to either engage or disengage with the enemies. Mm-hmm. B, it charges up your abilities. So as you run along the grid, if you're running along a long line of heart of red tiles, you're powering up your heart-related ability at the same time. So for example, if I wanted to have a really powerful melee attack on an enemy, I would want to draw the longest possible line along yellow melee tiles that I possibly can before eventually landing at that enemy to then beat the crap out of them. Oh, cool. So that's the gist. But there's something a little bit extra in the mix that makes it super fun. You can only run along tiles of one color at any time. So part of the game is making sure that you are leaving yourself both ins and outs from any scenario, because once you run along a a long line of purple tiles, they are replaced by miscellaneous tiles of the other colors. So once you land, you then have to go from there on whatever is in your immediate area. So if you accidentally screw yourself and you are left with only like two tiles over here, two tiles over there, surrounded by enemies can't really move you're going to die and this Uh is actually a game that i have died in many times uh i have lost countless times and every time it's like i just i guess i'm too stupid i guess i'm too (laughs) stupid (laughs) because it's really hard yeah it's also really rewarding because i I, i'm just really into the future i just like the future man this is another futuristic sci-fi game nice but it's actually told it's got much more I guess traditional storytelling than Cetus 2 does. Cetus 2 is very like tangential story. You can actually ignore it if you want to and just play the game, but I get a lot out of mm-hmm. really digging into that. Ticket to Earth is not like that. Ticket to Earth is presented as a, first of all, the art style is really cool. It's got a really nice art style, kind of like a vapor wavy color palette going on. Uh, and it's told, the story is told through basically moving comic panels. So moving is a bit of a stretch there, but what I mean is moving you along. So basically just comic panels that come up with dialogue bubbles for each of the characters. And that's how you're told the story. So you start as character Rose and Rose and her friend who has some bonkers future name. I can't remember what it is. We'll call her ZZ. I don't remember what her name is, Uh, but Rose and her friend live on basically a, a mining colony a mining colony 10 years away from Earth. 
So they live on this mining colony at basically the lowest possible level of society. Because when this mining colony was founded, I don't know, 100 years ago or something, the people that started the mine, the founders, kind of created an extremely rigid hierarchy that no one can break out of. So it's hmm. it's a little bit too much like modern times. The rich stay and get richer <laughs> and the poor stay and get poorer. Yeah. That's what's going on in Ticket to Earth is that you're in this mining colony that is in societal upheaval because people have finally had it and there's some shit going down. But you can, in theory, purchase a ticket aboard the starship that can take you back to Earth. But the journey takes 10 years. Oy. So when that starship pulls back into port, if you can't afford the millions of dollars, this is relative to the game, the millions of dollars needed to get aboard that starship, you're not going anywhere. So it's got this really interesting um, socioeconomic uh, you know, plot going on under the surface. Not even under the surface. It's <gasps> on the surface. <gasps> Birdie. Oh. Oh, my. Fender, get him. Back from <gasps> Wait, get Fender more into frame. Look at his little face. Fender. No, oh, there he is. There it is. Kind of see it. So you have this uh, socioeconomic subplot boiling just underneath the surface of society. You know that stuff's about to start happening and you just have to play through it. So between these comic panel bits of story, you have your actual gameplay, which is on the grid system that I described earlier. And interspersed throughout the game are um, a lot of nice RPG elements like your abilities, your four different mm -hmm. kind of color coded abilities. You can eventually unlock better ones. So as you succeed at any given encounter, you get more points to allow you to unlock and purchase A, more active abilities that, uh, in, that overlap with your four different colors, and B, passive abilities. Like, for example, you might be able to, okay, here's a passive that is running across red heart tiles also heals you for one HP for each tile. That's a good one that I locked down immediately because I was like, I'm dying too much. I got I to gotta get some heals in there. <laughs> So th those are the kinds of passives that you have, like get more money at the end of uh, an encounter, get more experience, get more healing, that kind of stuff. Very traditional RPG elements that just make things a little bit more strategic that I really appreciate. And I won't go too much into this because it is kind of later game stuff, but you do eventually get more characters beyond just Rose uh, and mm -hmm. their stories interact and intertwine with each other in ways that are really interesting. Uh, technically, Ticket to Earth was told originally, because this game is about four, four, four to five years old by now. I think oh, okay. it came out in 20... Oh, God, when did it come out? Hang on. Stand by. Ticket to Earth. Not Ticket to Ride. <laughs> Ticket to Earth. <laughs> yeah, oh, God, even longer than I thought. 2017. Oh, wow. So uh, it originally came out in 2017 and was originally released over a series of episodes ah boo aren't you glad you're playing it now yeah i'm so glad i'm playing it now because again on google play pass the full game was free it was free right and unlike a lot of other mobile games that are you know often really short experiences and this is also true for console games nowadays for indie games in particular they usually tend to fall between like if you're lucky five to ten hours give or take ticket to earth is easily a 20 plus hour game so there's a lot of game in there for not a lot of dollars and i think if you purchase the full game um at its standard price it's still only five bucks and i will say that this game feels great to play on mobile um, it's one that I have rarely had any issues with on my phone. I actually think mm -hmm. that it's a really good game to be able to play on your phone because 
as you're going through each of these encounters. In theory, any given encounter, any given combat scenario, I should say, should only take you like five minutes, give or take. You're either going to die or you're going to win within that amount of time. So it's a really short, like you can play it in just short little bits and still get a lot out of it. It's mm-hmm. a great toilet game. <laughs> it's great for playing at the bus stop. It's great for playing while you're waiting around at the dentist. It's it's really just an excellent game to be able to play in those short bites or sit down and play as many encounters as you can. I've done both and I'm still really enjoying it. I haven't finished it yet, but I've gotten pretty far. Ticket to Earth is very fun. Um, developed by a robot circus. It is a, a puzzle tactical RPG, we'll call it. Um, and yeah, I would highly recommend it. For five bucks, you get a lot of game. It's and not it's, bad. And it's great on mobile. So 10 out of 10 would recommend. Awesome. That's cool. Well, so I'll run real quick through some of the stuff that I've been playing lately. Um, let's see. Uh, I've still been very much uh, playing pretty pretty frequently. I've been playing Monster Hunter Rise still. Uh, we, I me and you actually just played a few hunts the other night, which we was sure a lot did. of fun. <laughs> Took out a lot of monsters, got some good crafting materials, all that good stuff. I'm currently trying to still craft all of the Rogi armor set. I had done the Azuchi armor set, now I'm trying to do the Rogi, and then I'm trying to fight. Go- figure out which one I want to do next because now I'm starting to get up with those higher tier monsters done a couple you know rampage missions stuff like that so now I'm starting to get some good stuff so I'm trying to decide which monster I want to go to next but been still having a ton of fun in that game like honestly I'm completely surprised how much fun I'm enjoying it and how much I want to keep playing it and everything because like I said it's it's exactly what I thought not having the group in world and being so far behind in Monster Hunter World was why I was like, this isn't clicking. It's it's fun. Yeah. I get the I get the appeal, but it's just not for me. Rise, having it, starting it, playing it at the same time as everybody else did with you, Bromogan, Cody, and all that, like we did in our last episode, like it's been just a blast playing it. And I'm and it, that gives me enough to go into the single player stuff, and I've been spending a lot of time in there too. I'm just having a good old time. Yeah. And um, I know that we touched on this when we did our re- re- first impressions as well, but still, this is still true for me. I've been playing Rise alone so much more than I oh, ever played World on single player. I never played World single player. Mm-hmm. Rise, I'll actually, I'm actually like, yeah, I'll sit down alone and play like four hours of Rise because that's how much fun I'm having in it. Nice. Uh, but then other than that... Uh, still making my way through Valhalla. Like I said, got like probably another 10 hours of that one. I was really trying to get it done soon. Because Can I get a quick plug in for a really old song that probably nobody knows? Sure. Are you familiar with the band Blind Guardian? They're yeah. like one of the old, by this point, they're like one of the old greats of metal. Um, but they have a song called Valhalla. You should mm-hmm. look up the live version. Like Blind okay. Guardian played a live version of Valhalla at one point. It was awesome. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'll check it out. It's a great song, kind of fits in with the theme. Anyways, it's just super fun. I've been playing through that one though, still, and like I said, uh, it's still I'm, I'm like really, really loving that game. I just kind of it's taken me. I've slowed a little bit now because I didn't. I did just kind of hit the point when I hit about the seventy hour mark. I was like, I need to have something else. Fortunately, that's when Monster Hunter Rise came out. That's when Outriders came out, and I've been playing both of those a lot. So I've now have this like nice little mix of. Two games that I can go to for some quicker fun, you know, like play a couple hunts, run through a mission or an area, an Outriders, get a little loot, level up my characters a bit, 
do that kind of stuff, that's great for like during the middle of the day play. But Valhalla is still my go to like when I do have the time to like some de- to dedicate some an hour or two into some games is going through Valhalla. And it's still presenting a really fun time. I'm still really enjoying that world. Eivor is still a fantastic character. I'm getting very curious to see how the story wraps up. So that's fun that it's still holding my attention there. I will say the arc that I just completed, I was kind of like, okay, I didn't need to necessarily do this one. But uh, it seemed it seemed a little more of a filler arc. And I'm like, yeah, I'm already 70 hours in. Why do we need this? We like, don't need this. We Let's don't need this one. We could, we could have skipped through over this one a little bit. Uh, but so I kind of do understand a little bit now the argument of people have made that games about games being too long or getting too long. I will say that and play this. I'm kind of like I'm having a blast. But yeah, I see where you could trim a little bit of the the extras out of this streamline it just a tad and we'd be and we'd be golden. But uh, the combat's still really fun. I'm still enjoying like I do like how it bounces around from Avor's story to then it also you do have some storylines and arcs that take place with the Norse gods and like so you got you know Thor Loki all those all the people hanging out up there that you get to do and go to other places like Jotunheim uh, Asgard stuff like that so that's all pretty cool to get to like have those touches of the mythology in there as well and so it's just it's just been a fantastic story and I'm loving it having a great time uh Outriders like I said yeah I've been playing a lot of Outriders uh, I did decide to go ahead and pick that one up and have been going through it. It's a ton of fun too. Uh, it's like, I'm still kind of holding that. It's like the grittier destiny. It's like a, like a little more violent, a little more, uh, gory destiny. And, but I really am learning, really enjoying the learning of like how to do its builds and its character builds and stuff. And like how its crafting system works as I've been getting into the higher levels and higher world tiers. That's how it kind of like fluctuates the difficulty of the game is you have these world tiers that you'll unlock as you progress i'm sitting i tried yesterday to do it like world tier five and i was like no this is too hard especially because i was doing like solo and i was like that's too hard i gotta step back down to world tier four (laughs) but it's really interesting how it's how it's uh crafting system works which i've really been enjoying you have like when you go to the the merchant who lets you do the upgrades and stuff to your gear you like can choose a piece of armor or a weapon and it gives you a list of options beside it like you know raise its level raise its rarity change out its mods raise its attributes you know different stuff like that and each one requires some different currency be it like scrap iron leather uh or these things called shards and and all of this is earned through in-game play you don't have microtransactions you don't have to like buy all this stuff it's not locked behind a paywall but you earn these things but so you can like take a common item and make it you know, uh, uh, you know, by the colors, you know, it's, it's the gray, nothing green is common blues, uncommon purples rare. And then I think, uh, there's a step higher than that. That's I think legendary, I believe is how they call it. Or like, that's just the ranking of it. So you can move one from like that, from like a common to a rare, which will get then unlock like a mod slot for it. But then, and then, so then you can put in a, a different mod that'll aid one of your abilities. You can use, uh, shards that you collect by dismantling weapons and stuff like that because they have those attributes like critical hit percentage does this much or they'll have ones that are like heal this much you know damn it when you damage enemies you get health back and so when you uh blanking on the word take apart 
Oh. No, dismantle. When you dismantle the armor or the weapons, you gain those shards, which can then be spent to increase those same perks on other weapons. I see. So it's kind of, and so then also too, say you dismantle a weapon that has a mod that you want to put in another uh, armor or weapon. You have to dismantle that thing, get its mod, and then you can go in and like swap out the mod for the other, for the one you want it to currently use. So you have to have a little bit of planning in it. You have to like kind of finesse how you want it to go. I hate to say this, but that sounds exactly like Skyrim's modding system. <laughs> it sounds exactly I mean, like the enchantment system. <laughs> yeah, it kind of does, actually. You're right. It actually is yeah. the exact same because it's I mean, dismantling it and you, you lose it. And then, like the yeah. This is a rare example of, wow, having played Skyrim paid off in a small way. <laughs> we understand game mechanics now. Yeah. But yeah, so it's been a lot of fun like playing around with it. I've been going as the Pyromancer uh, character track. And which has been really fun because like there's a couple of abilities. I've unlocked quite a few of the abilities, almost all of them actually of the character abilities. And I'm uh, my favorite one to use. I, the three I'm using is the one that's like the wall of flame. He'll like I can't remember the exact name, but it like shoots this like wall of flame out and like sets everything in its path on fire. That one's really fun for like good crowd control. Then there's my favorite one, though, is Thermal Bomb. I, like, punch the ground, do, like, a Superman punch to the ground, and it sends out this, like, crater through the ground to the next, to whichever target you're aiming at, and it sets them on fire. If they die oh, while they're still under the effects, fun. if they die while they're still under the, the effects of the ability, they'll rise up in the air and explode and, like, obviously damage or kill anybody around them. But now I've got it so upgraded that, like, they create a ring of fire on the ground where they died and, like, oh continues to add burn. And so it's that just, like, a powerhouse. Awesome. It's so cool. So now I'm really trying to master fighting, like, other altered people is what they call them in the game, the people who have, like, the special abilities and stuff like that. Right. Trying to fight those other altered characters using only my skills because that's a trophy, actually, if you're able to kill somebody using only your abilities but they have to be like one of the boss characters and stuff like that so really been enjoying outriders so if anybody wants to jump in some outriders run a couple missions with me let me know because that'd be a lot of fun um and then other than that uh, i guess the only other thing really i've been jumping into is apex because i've been playing apex legends again because they just had their season nine come out and uh they called it legacy and they introduced a new game mode to the a permanent game mode to the game called arenas where it's uh two teams of three face off each other in a series of rounds you have to win by uh, uh by two to be able to win the thing and it's so it starts off with rounds of three and or three rounds and then it goes into overtime if you need to and it's just a brand new way to play the game it has like a, a market system at the beginning where you have a select allotment of of currency and stuff where you can buy weapons upgrades armor uh not armor but like uh shields or grenades and different stuff like that for your characters and after the end of each round you have another buy phase where you can buy higher level stuff your armors will automatically increase but it's played on a set of smaller maps obviously not the huge maps that are used for battle royale it's like little areas but it's just so much fun for quick action quick get to the combat get to the fighting immediately and it's a really really fun mode i've played it at this point, I know this is the week it came out, so I've played two, three matches of arenas, and I've won like two of the three that I've played, so I felt nice. really good about that. Nice. One, we were even down two people versus three, and we still won, oh. and it felt great. And that, mean, so, that, that other team of three had like me. I was the third person, and I was like, <laughs> sorry, I can't really help. I can't do anything. <laughs> uh, and then they also introduced a new legend, Valkyrie, who is a flight-based 
character. She has like a jetpack on her, and was she can she's actually in her moveset, like she her uh tactical ability, I guess, is that she does like a missile barrage and it looks very Farah esque. Oh, this which is cool. This is I'm looking at her now. This is just Farah. That's <laughs> really funny. But what's really cool about wow. her and her character and having her in Apex Legends now is that she is the daughter of a character that you fight in Titanfall 2. So she's very, so it's like a very, even more direct lore tie-in to Titanfall 2 than what we, than even what we've had. Because everybody else has been like, everybody in the game obviously is new characters. And there's still Cuban Blisk who's like the, the head of the Apex games and stuff like that. And he's like who recruits him. He's who like you fight a lot in Titanfall 2, like the main one of the main bad guys that you fight in Titanfall 2. Huh. And so you see him a lot in like cutscenes or the uh, like little videos they make uh, animated shorts for like lore videos and stuff they put up on YouTube. You see him a lot there. But this is the first like direct tie from a character other than Cuban Blisk into like I believe I could be speaking out of turn. But I, but still like a very direct thing. Oh, no, because there's Ash. Ash. OK, I'm speaking on my ass. I don't know what I'm talking about. But basically it's very cool because they're starting to really like t- put these solid anchors, more solid anchors into the lore of Titanfall two and stuff like that, which I think is great. And then too, because of that and because of that hype about Valkyrie coming out and her jetpack is like made out of the salvage from her father's, uh, Titan. So that's kind of like another, huh. like kind of tie into there too. Neato. And so there's a lot of that stuff. And because of that, Titanfall 2, to like celebrate, they've had a free weekend on Steam and its numbers like skyrocketed and the game like had this massive surge of popularity. So like if if there wasn't enough signs that we need Titanfall 3, like we need Titanfall 3. So, Dude, I really do feel like Titanfall 2 just got unlucky with oh, it got when shafted it, big time. It, when it released, it just had too much competition. Like I it was the week like- after Battlefield one battlefield one and yeah. the week before call of duty something oh, so it's it like of course terrible. it was gonna tank yeah the, at launch. the it just got so unlucky with the scheduling i've seen you play that game i played the demo it is really fun like i i totally get the appeal who doesn't want to have giant robots and have cool robot mech battles yeah. what a great idea i know it's a it's a great time so yeah we need time fall three ea respawn <laughs> chop chop us Come on, just do it. It's fine. Just do it. But yeah, so that's what pretty much what I've been playing lately. Um, I guess. I don't know. Do you have anything else that you wanted to share, talk about, anything like that? Should we no. uh, let the good people go on with their day? We will let them go on with their day. All righty then. Well, thanks everybody for hanging out with us today as we've uh, been just kind of catching up. And uh, thank, thanks for uh, again for hanging with us as we were on a little bit of a break there. But we should be back to our normal release schedule and all that stuff going forward. So we're glad to be back. It was fun to be back behind the mics and talk about some video games with you all. So, But until next time, everybody. Well, before that, I guess, let us know if you, uh, you know, have what you've been playing lately. We always love to hear about that and talk about that with everybody. So, you know, join our Discord, talk about it with us there if you want. Uh, again, follow us on the social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, subscribe to wherever you listen to all that good stuff. But until next time, everybody, I'm one of your hosts, Jarrett Wilson, joined across the power of the Internet by my co-host, Rachel Mogan. Adios. We'll see you all next time. Mm-hmm.